Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. First of all, I just want to say a couple things before we get into the message this morning. First, I just want to say this last Thursday night, or afternoon, early evening, we had an event here we hosted for the city and the school. That was an incredible event where we had vendors coming in and set up in here, and we had people from the community coming in and receiving a lot of resources and help, the people in need, and had maybe struggling to try to just make it each month with raising their kids. And uh, so it was great. It was great to see all the resources that our community has for people in need. Uh, So it was good to see. We had a lot of people come in and out of here. They fed pizza to everybody, and they wanted to repeat over and over how thankful they were that we opened our facility up so that they could use it. So thank you for being part of that, because it's, it's part of who we are and part of what we do is connecting in our community. Also, just want to say that... Last several months, my wife has been, now also the ladies are gone. A lot of the women are gone at the beach today, which is awesome. I think there's 15 of them, and uh, they're having a great time. I've got word back that God's doing some incredible things uh, there as well, so that's cool. But with that, my my wife's been gone, and uh, I've had a challenge a, a little bit because my wife had been, several months, had been asking for a puppy, and uh, it's been several years since we've had a puppy or a dog in our home. And there's reasons why. Uh, because, to be honest with you, that's one area in my life where I can handle a lot of stress in a lot of things. Uh, for whatever reason, a puppy stresses me out big time. And so I've really kind of had keeping that at bay. And finally, I uh, agreed that it would be okay so we just got a puppy, and what does my wife do? Goes to the beach so that I get to be daddy watcher, puppy watcher. And uh, God has been working in me. Because really, I, I felt like I was being selfish by not allowing her to have a puppy, because she absolutely loves dogs, and I enjoy dogs too. But I said, okay, Lord, this is one area in my life I need to work on. And so I'm allowing you to work on me through this process. And so I've been really diligent as trying my best in this process. It's been a long time since I've raised babies and children. And it's pretty much the same, those of you know. And uh, so I'm texting my wife saying, you're coming home, right? (laughs) So now I had Christopher helping me out today because I've got the little puppy out in the truck. I have to do this whole you know, all that routine and stuff. So now I get to focus on the message this morning and not worry about the puppy. He is cute. He is a great little dog, but uh, hopefully he will grow up to be a really good dog and listen to everything I say. (laughs) Be obedient. If he could just understand that I really do like him. Anyway. I know he loves me, that's for sure. And that's good. So this morning, I want to... um, I just feel like the Lord has talked to me about a few things, and I want to talk today. Uh, I purposely didn't start a new uh, series today because we had several people away, and I will start next, next week in a series, and it's called uh, titled Pursuit, and that's going to be a great series that we're going to be able to be involved with as a church. 
But this morning, I just felt like the Lord, over a period of several days, was, kind of, was giving me some things in regards to kind of self-evaluation and what is your perception of yourself and what is God's perception of you. And I, I title this, The Circle of Confidence. The Circle of Confidence, that's the title of my message this morning. And the confidence in who we are. And the circle of confidence really is our confidence doesn't come based on what we put into ourselves and what we do makes us confident, but it's what God puts in us. And our confidence is in him. Therefore, if our confidence is in him, we should be confident in who we are and who he's created us to be. So it's that circle of confidence. So this morning, Lord, I just ask for you to be with us today, that you speak to us through your word. There are different stories that I'll share in your word of people who had different, different ways of getting to where you were leading them uh, in their own personal lives. And so, Lord, I ask for your guidance in my words this morning, that it would be you speaking this morning through me. And we thank you and give safe travels to the women coming home today, and just thank you for what you have been doing in their lives as well. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. I want to show you first a, a video clip. So I'll just preface, it's an, a little bit older, so as far as the, I don't know what it was, but the purpose of this is that you'll see somebody who really is kind of self-absorbed about themselves and everything around else is not what it should be. It's always something else, and and they're a little overconfident in themselves. So go ahead and show that uh, clip, Devin. That was stupid. Woo! Yellow. Tom, yeah. Yeah, you got some defective clubs here. Yeah, not even a pro can hit him. Uh-huh. This is smart. Self-call digital, because sometimes you just have to call yourself. I should probably turn my ringer off. <laughs> but anywho, you know. <laughs> so this guy definitely was kind of absorbed in himself and everything and uh, blaming everybody else. Uh, you could obviously see, even if you don't golf, you could tell he doesn't know what he's doing, but he just thought it was the club's fault. But kind of had a little bit of a high value of, him, of himself there. The fact is that you and I, we do play a part in our confidence, our self-confidence. We do play a part in that, but we cannot fix ourselves alone in that. That's where God comes in, and he, and he comes in, and he helps us with our confidence in our life. The scripture that, that really kind of pulls us in, the scripture, many of us know this, is Philippians 4.13. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So everything we have in our life, all our abilities, all the confidence we have comes through him. And the reason we can do what we do and have the gifts and, and abilities to do what we do is because of him. And so it's important to understand that. My wife and I, uh, several years ago, we were involved in a, I don't know if you want to call it a, a test or whatever it was. It was pretty extensive. And uh, it was, I guess for lack of a uh, of whatever term, but it was it had to do with emotions, and it was an emotional IQ test is basically what it was, to find out emotionally what your level of, of intelligence in emotions. And so we went through this, and we spent an hour on the phone with the uh, psychologist, the doctor who wrote, who wrote all this stuff and, and did this, and we went through all these things. 
And I was just reflecting back the other day, and I actually pulled three different things out of there that I wanted to add to my message this morning. But really, if we start in this self-perception, how we perceive ourselves, the first thing in here is self-regard, self-regard. And the definition that he places in here is self-regard is respecting oneself while understanding and accepting one's strengths and weaknesses. Self-regard is often associated with feelings of inner strength and self-confidence. And this is the thing for a lot of us, I think, in our our self-regard and how we respect ourselves in that. A lot of times we like to focus on the things that we feel we do well, but we all know we have weaknesses. In fact, I just shared one of mine, kind of a weakness that is just my ability to be able to handle the stress from a puppy, whatever reason is, but God's helping me in that, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But to be able to evaluate and say, God, help me evaluate my life and and my feelings and my inner strengths and, and those kind of things. What I want to do this morning is take you through some examples of men in the Bible. And it's a little different. I, I've never looked at this this way before. And I've just started opening my Bible and begin to look at from a different perspective of some of the men that we've studied over the years in the Bible. For different reasons, we study them. But here's somewhere I wanted to study in this regard. I want to start with Joseph. Joseph in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 5. Here we have what I would call an arrogant confidence in Joseph early on in his life. But later on, we see that he matures in that area. But early on, he was pretty arrogantly confident in what he was all about. And so we kind of see this as we read through these verses. So starting in verse 5 of chapter 37, it says, One night Joseph had a dream... And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. He was being very arrogant, overconfident in that his brothers were going to bow down to him. And obviously, he paid a little bit of a price for that as he went on to the next phase of life and going through. But ultimately, eventually, he matured in that area, and it changed him a lot. And he began to look inside of himself to see God put certain things in him, gifts, abilities, and these things that God put in him, yes, he was going to be this ruler, and yes, his brothers were going to come before him, and he was going to be helping them out, and they would basically be bowing to him and asking for a big favor. And so in that process, though, he, when he started out, he didn't have the uh, experience of what it would be like if, but when he matured, he got a little bit older, he realized, okay, this is what it's about. This is what the confidence level, the confidence level in myself needed to change, and God adjusted that in him over time. And so we see that and how, if we're not careful, if we are arrogantly confident in ourself, and a lot of times that happens in our younger years when we're just kind of getting out there thinking, man, we're going to go take the world by storm. And then over time, God adjusts us through the process, and he begins to bring us to that place of going, okay, Lord, 
Now I know. I know I need to submit to you. And, and these things will end up coming to fruition, but they come into fruition the way that God wants them versus the way we want. So we see this, that with Joseph, he came out arrogant, confident. It's not probably what it should. Even though God's call was on his life and later got fulfilled, but early on he didn't handle that right. So there's one example. And then we see Moses. Here's something a little bit different. So Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, he doesn't have confidence, but he's willing. And so we look in this, these scriptures here, and we read a little bit. We get to peek into this little portion of Moses' life and his conversation with God. And it goes like this. In chapter 3, verse 9 of Exodus, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. This is God. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? He's questioning. He doesn't have confidence. He doesn't feel it's like, Why would you call me Lord? Now the reality was God had been preparing him for a long time, but he didn't have that arrogance to come right out and, and knowing that he had a huge call in his life, but he, his personality and who he was was more, man, I think you got the wrong guy, Lord. But here's the thing that was really important. Later on in the conversation, he said, Lord, okay, I will do this on one condition, on one condition, and that is if you go with me. You must go with me. Now, there's somebody that has some wisdom and somebody has a little bit of knowledge and he'd been through some things he did he had self-doubt he didn't have confidence but he had the willing attitude to say lord i I don't know how i'm going to do this but i tell you what if you go with me and you help me through this i'm willing to do it and and i just believe god is he's just asking for willing vessels people willing to go and do those things and we know what moses ended up doing what ended up happening was pretty amazing the next one, and again, a little bit different, and we see this in, in David. Now, in this particular story of part of David's life, he was confident, but not arrogant. As we go into this, we'll see this. He had shown a track record of success, so his confidence was pretty strong. He was confident in himself, but it wasn't just in himself, but it was confidence that God had given him some ability. So we read this. If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, and starting in verse 32, this is the portion with David and Saul. They're having a conversation. This is when the big Philistine was out there threatening everybody. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. That makes sense from physical sense of looking at the situation. We would determine probably the same thing. But David persisted. Again, he, he wasn't being overly um, trying to be arrogant in this, but he, he was so confident because his track record to this point. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 
I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. <laughs> There's some confidence there, but it wasn't arrogant. He, he, he knew his experience with God and what he was doing. He would take out the enemy, and God had given him the ability and giftings to do that and the confidence to do that. So he comes in with some confidence, saying, I've got a little bit of a track record here. I'll lay it out for you, because I know you don't think I can do this, and I get that. I don't look like I should be able to. So Saul, it goes on to say, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. David knew that the Lord would be with him because he'd been with him constantly in this process. God was the one that gave him the confidence to do those things, and, and we see that. I think of one more, not actually on my notes, but I was just thinking about if we think of somebody like Judas, and we think of somebody who didn't have self-worth, probably wasn't confident in his own abilities and who he was. Now, he was part of Jesus' team. He was, he was a disciple. He was close. But when it came to having that confidence tested, having something, he, he kind of caved in to the pressures. He had what was poured into his life was good. It was the same, he heard the same thing the other disciples heard from Jesus. Things were poured into him. He had that. But somehow something was going on in him, inside of him. If we... I'm just thinking about this right now. If we look at this, and we see that there was some people that were able to get to Judas and convince him to betray Jesus. Now, eventually, Judas recognizes what's going on, and he realizes he, he had taken the money, he'd taken the silver, and it dawns on him, they're about to take and kill my master. So he goes back and he says, guys, he goes back to those same people that had worked with him to try to, to get him to go against Jesus to betray him. It's like, no, I, 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 need, to, I need to repent from this. I, guys, I, this isn't what I wanted. They're like, too bad, so sad for you. Too bad, so sad for you. You, you got in this mess, you're on your own. And he threw the silver down and, and didn't have the emotional strength in that process to do what he could have done, which would, at that point, he could have went to Jesus because that's where he should have went instead of to those people and said, hey, guys, I, I shouldn't. They were not going to be his strength. They were not going to encourage him. They were going to continue to send him down this emotional hole that was negativity that was in his life. His self-worth was just going to go so much farther down. If he would have went to Jesus, Jesus said, you are forgiven. That's what his words would have been to him. But instead, he didn't do that. And, and so, he, as the Bible says, he went out and he, and he hung himself. I say that as example because that is a true what happens is going on in our community. Those things happen. The enemy's able to come and grab a hold of who we are and takes that confidence away, takes that 
and puts us in that emotional state of we don't have self-worth, we don't have value. We, and then when we make a mistake, the enemy jumps on us and says, see, you're no good, you're on your own. But I want to encourage you today, when we, if we ever get in a place like that, that we, sit, that we go to the one who will help us get out of that, and that is Jesus Christ. I want to go back and say something, because these, these are just little things that I jot down, and, and, and I want to say this before I move forward. I was thinking about, in this process, as I was going through, like Joseph and stuff, where he didn't really have the humility that he needed at the time. He gets that later, obviously. But I wrote this statement down. Humility will change the standard on which we judge others and ourselves. Humility will change the standard on how we judge others and ourselves. And it's interesting because personally I've been through those times where it actually radically changed (laughs) what I thought of myself and what I thought of others because God allowed humility to come in a situation and we need to be open to that, to the Lord, because humility can change the standard. Because our, our standard is so different than God's standard. And when he comes and he brings his grace into a situation, he can, it changes everything. And so we need to allow him to work when he's working in our life. Our call isn't dictated by our self-worth or whether we feel confident in ourselves. The call in our life is not dictated by our self-worth or whether we feel confident in ourselves. Our, that comes from God. So don't, we have to be careful not to look inward to try to find it in ourselves. We look upward or we look outward towards God and say, God, you say, you're the one who says who I am. And we have to have, be able to buy into that and believe that. And so we see that. And then as I was mentioning, Judas, just the, his lack of self-worth he failed to turn to the only one who could redeem him. And so let's, let's make sure we're turning to the one who can redeem us. Judas was an example of someone who uh, lacked self-worth, for sure, and ultimately came very depressed, and, and, and we see what happened. And when he recognized what he did wrong, he, he just went to the wrong people. And so God is calling us to the Savior, to the real Savior that we have. The next point that, that I have is uh, self-actualization. This is uh, what this doctor had put down. Self-actualization is the willingness to persistently try to improve oneself and engage in the pursuit of personally relevant and meaningful objectives that lead to a rich and enjoyable life. Willingness to persistently try to improve. Again, it's with God's help, but we have to daily be on that quest of improving our life. Our, what we believe God is saying about us and our confidence in ourself. And because we want to, it to lead to a rich and enjoyable life. We, that's what God's plan is for us. So if we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, it says this. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact... I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. We're talking about Paul, previously Saul. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. It shows the demonstrates here that Paul understood 
who he was before and the grace of God that brought him out. But he also knew that every day he was going to get up and work harder than anybody else to be what God wanted him to be. Because he understood God's grace. He had such a an insight on what that was and the importance of that, that he embraced God 100%, and he was all about talking about the grace of God and about Christ and about him crucified and all of these things that went with that. And he was, every day he got up, he was determined to do that, to better himself in his walk with God. Then the, the uh, last one is emotional self-awareness. Emotional self-awareness. It includes recognizing and understanding one's own emotions. This includes the ability to differentiate between subtleties in one's own emotions while understanding the cause of these emotions and the impact they have on one's own thoughts and actions and those of others. Now, there's a lot there, and there's a lot to unpack, and I'm not doing that today. But it's interesting, this area of emotion and how we deal with it, because I believe that God's given us emotions, and they're there for a purpose. But so often, the enemy can come and attack our emotions. And he can get us to the place where we're down here, and it affects our whole spiritual walk. It affects everything we, we, we talk about, what we believe about it. It affects what we believe about ourselves. When God's stamp of approval has been on us, and he's called us children of the king, and he's put his blessing and his call in our life, and it's there but the enemy comes to our emotions and try to get after our emotions to get us down to that place where we remove ourselves from the plan of God because of our self-doubt or our self-pity or whatever we get in that emotional state. And God wants to come along and say, I, I want you to keep your emotions on a level where, yeah, we're going to have ups and downs. You know, the expectation probably from everybody in a church believes that their pastor every Sunday or every day needs to be up on top of everything all the time because that's his job. You know, he can never have a bad day. He can never have, uh, you know, his motions, you know, that. The reality is pastors, whatever, are still, they're, they're the same as everybody else in the sense of that we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all go through challenges. Now, I believe there's a call that is put on pastors for the reason, and there's things that go with that. And some of that is there's a little bit the emotional stability part of it, I think, is part of the makeup that God puts in there for the most part. Although we've seen many times where pastors, the enemy comes and he does the same thing and they get to this place like Judas. And for whatever reason, and they have a, everything seems to be thriving on the outside and they're crashed on the inside, and they end up going off and doing something drastic like taking their own life. So it's important for us to understand and have a self-awareness of our own emotions and where we're at in that, and be sure we're talking with people. Be sure we're talking with God about that, because it plays a huge part in our, in our spiritual growth. We can be doing this when the reality is, you know, God wants, he wants us to go get closer and closer to the truth of what he wants for us, and and uh, thank him for his grace, because that's such an important part of, of our Christian walk. Mm -hmm. Psalm chapter 27, starting verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, 
they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. This comes from an emotional roller coaster, <laughs> David. He went through stuff, but he kept coming back to that true north, that place of knowing who he was in God, the confidence in who he was. Even though the enemy was attacking him, he would come back to that place because in his you read in his words that he's talking about, and he pours his heart out to God. He's very honest with God. God, I, I'm a mess. God, I have no idea what I'm doing. God, my life's falling apart. But then you see he always comes back to this place of, yet I remain confident in you, Lord. My hope is in you, God. My trust is in you. I'm coming back to that place. Lord, I've poured out my heart, but I know, I know so that's, that's what God wants to put in every one of us. We have permission, in the sense, from God to go through things and, and go up and through that stuff. Because don't, it would be a, an untruth if we were to, to tell ourselves that you, we can never have bad feelings or we can never ha- have negative emotions. And, because then, then we would just, we'd be trying to cover something. When God's saying, no, come, this, come to me in the middle of that because I'm, the mo- I'm what you need in the middle of your worst times. Come to me, all those who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so he, all these things are about him. Come to me, you children. Come to your loving father, and I will embrace you, and I will encourage you and, and get, lift you up. I will put you on that place where you need. My, my wings will be around you. My protection will be there for you. Do you know that God has a perception of you? It's more than a perception. It's a fact of what he believes about you. And it's interesting because I looked in Psalm 139. I'm going to read this portion of scripture. But again, this is one that David is really encapsulating God's thoughts for us and his heart for us. And he's speaking it back. And because I think it's important for us to speak back those things that we know that God says about us. So this is what he says in Psalm 139 starting in verse 13. He said, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Hey, by the way, if you ever wondered when life starts, (laughs) it starts at conception. Because God's thoughts are there before we are even in our mother's womb about us. I'm so thankful that we're getting some really good things happening in our nation when it comes to life. And the support of life. God gave us life. He created that. And so I love that God, in the midst of all this stuff, he's coming in, he's going, I'm protecting protecting the unborn. I'm protecting life because he's all about life. I I think that's an awesome thing in the midst of all of that because life was God's idea he created man because he wanted a relationship. And he didn't create man to give man the right to determine 
whether his creation lives or doesn't live. That's up to him. But he loves life, and so should we. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2 says this, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. Into God's presence. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. This morning, we came into his presence. We came to church here. It's not because of us. It's not because of all the goodness of who we are and I'm all of that and everything. It's because of him. And he comes and he brings, he tells us who we are and what he's created us for and why he's created us. And now he's trying to build confidence our confidence, not only in him, but in who we are, who he's created us to be. We're more like David in the sense of having a confidence in being able to go after the enemy and saying, yes, I can do this. Yes, the enemy's defeated. Yes, I'm willing to get in the fight, willing to do this. It's just a confidence because of knowing who we are in Christ and the authority that he's been given to, he has given to us. It's because our confidence in the Lord that we can be confident in who he's created us to be. Let's stand. We're going to sing this song together this morning. And and as we close, I, I just want you to focus on, first of all, who he is as you're worshiping him in this last song that we sing. Focus on his thoughts towards you what he thinks of you because they're good thoughts say God do my thoughts about myself line up with your thoughts about me and let's line let's line those things up this morning as we're worshiping as we go from this place today we can be confident in him and who we are in him amen thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast 